Good to see you guys this morning. Well, you know what I know? I know we have a room full of very blessed men and women. Very blessed. We have men and women in this place that have always known what it was like to uh, be loved by God and be loved by a great mom and loved by a great dad. You're taught to live a positive walk and walk through life positively at a very young age. We're taught people skills at a young age. We're taught great work ethics at a very young age. And you've always felt loved. You've always felt valued. You've always felt capable of doing whatever task was handled to you. And why? Because you were told you could. And you were told over and over again by loving parents that just believed in you. You have been a blessed people, and you've been blessed and favored for a very long time. This last Sunday, right after the service was over, I had a, a man come down to me, a guy that's in our church, and he said, my mom and dad are here today. And I thought, well, his mom and dad, this is an old guy. And he said, yeah, they've been married for 70 years. And I said, no way. He said, yeah. So anyway, he took me back. It was Gary Bailey, and he took me back to meet his mom and dad. And his dad's been a minister in our valley for years and years and years. And about 20 years ago, he would go over to see us or visit us at the uh, uh, Church of North Avenue. And I remember when he was in the service, I'd walk up to him, and I'd say, hey, and, and I, his name slips from me right now, but I'd ask him, I said, would you pray for me before I go, you know, preach so I don't suck? And he'd go, yeah, right? And so I'd kneel down beside his chair, and, and this older man would pray for me and put his hand on my head and ask God to bless me and anoint me with the Holy Spirit. And, and he was there in the service last week, and I thought, how cool. Man, here's a couple. Here's a couple that have been married 70 years. Most of you love to live to 70. How do you like being married to the same person for 70? Wow. Ann and I had that privilege of growing up in a family that was... Uh, were marriage for a long time was modeled before us. Her mom and dad, his was a ministry. He, they were married for over 50 years until he went home to be with the Lord. My mom and dad married for over 50 years until he went home to be with the Lord. My mom's still living. She's 86. Her aunt and I go to Florida about this time every year, and uh, we make sure that she's completely stocked up on everything that she needs to make it through the blistering, a you know, degree weather of Florida through the wintertime. But we've, we've been blessed by that. We really have. And many of you have, have seen that model before you. You know, but I also know that there are many, many people in our church who have not had a long-lasting Christian marriage modeled before you by anybody in your family. We have men in our church that have never had a godly mentor uh, show you what it's like to have a good work ethic, how to respect, love a woman, and make a relationship work. How to provide for a family, even if it means you've got to work 16-hour days. That's never been modeled for you. And yet, you've had to learn it on your own. And I want you to know, wow, I am so, so proud of you for that. I'm so proud of you women that have never had that modeled, yet you yourself are a very godly woman, and you've kind of eked it out in your personal relationship with Christ, and any friends that were godly that you could bring around you to kind of help you through it or what you could read, or a little Joyce Myers early in the morning, or Joel Osteen, or whatever it was that you could get a hold of just to help you grasp what it is that you were never taught, never had modeled before you. I love you for that. I'm very proud of you. Because now, you along with the rest of us have determined what the psalmist has said in Psalms 119 uh, to our Heavenly Father. Take a look at this. Here's the determination, and this is what you and I say I have promised it once, I'll promise it again, I will obey your righteous regulations. I've suffered much, Lord, restore my life again, as you promised. Now, notice he says, restore my life again. In other words, it was okay, then it got messed up, then it was okay, then it got attacked, and then it was okay again, and now it's not so good. It, restore my life 
Again, he says, my life constantly hangs in the balance. I mean, you may think I'm looking like I'm doing all right now, but here's the truth. I'm just this close from losing it all. It's constantly in the balance. You can relate to that. But I will not stop. I'm not going to throw in the towel. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. This marriage is going to make it, period. I'm not going to stop obeying your instructions. I hate those with divided loyalties. And you know something else? I do too. I hate those that are for God one minute and they're not for God the next minute. I mean, if we're going to be a country that believes in God, let our country always believe in God through the good times and the bad times. Let's don't call it a day of prayer because there's an attack going on in Paris. Let's call it a day of prayer when nothing's being attacked anywhere around the world. Just, the world just say, God, thanks for your hand of protection on us this day. But don't do it God's way when it works out better that way. Then do it your way when it seems to work out better. Listen, don't have to violate loyalties. Do it God's way all the time, period. He said, I hate those with divided loyalties, but I love your instructions. Just tell me what to do, and I'll do it your way. That's what he's saying. You are my refuge and my shield. You're my place of protection, he's saying. Your word is my source of hope, not what I'm seeing on the news, not who's going to be the next president. It's going to be your word. Get out of my life, you evil-minded people. That might be a good way to end Thanksgiving dinner. I'm kidding. I don't don't ever don't say that to anybody. For I intend to obey the, the command. Maybe my heart is a little calloused. For I intend to obey the commands of God. I'm going this way, guys. Doesn't matter where you're going. And here's why. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Your word guides me. God's word guides me. And more than anything else in this world. Your saved, born-again, spirit-filled self still needs guidance. I don't care how often you come to church. I don't care how often you read the Bible. I don't care how many gifts the Holy Spirit has given you. The most important thing you need here on earth while you're on your way to heaven is guidance. Why? So you don't waste time. So you keep, stop, keep doing the same thing over and over again. Quit, quit circling, coming right back to the same place, starting over a new relationship, starting over a new job, starting over a new financial, you know, hope and help for the future. We need guidance. We need guidance. God, just, just tell me what to do, and I'll just do that. Let's just keep it simple. Shut every door that needs to be shut. Open every door that needs to be open. Don't let anyone stay cracked, because cracked doors confuse my little simple mind. Just guide me. You know, I know that every generation has said this, but I, I want to say it in my generation, in my lifetime. I have never seen a time in the United States where our country is desperate for the guidance of an almighty God than what we are right now. I don't know about you, but if you, uh, many of you may, may decide, how many of you watch the news every day? Would you raise your hand? How many of you watch it at least once a week? Would you raise your hand? How many of you only see it when you have to see it? Would you raise your hand? Why? Because it's depressing. That's why. It'll flat mess you up. You know why? Because our country's messed up. And the news puts a glaring light on that for us to be able to see. We have a messed up country. And then you see the lineup on the Democratic side and the lineup on the Republican side. And then you go, oh, God, if we don't have your guidance, we're screwed. We are. We are a mess. And it's our prayer that God will guide us. And you say, we've asked him to help us before. Ask him again. Ask him again. And let's ask him right now. Father God, we love you. And thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for your hand of favor 
There are people in this room right now that have always been loved by mom and dad. They've always been told they can do whatever God wants them to do. They've always had the confidence that they could take on a task. They always felt loved. They've always felt valued. In the, and we have been a blessed and a favored people. That's me. I felt that way my whole life. I've felt that way my whole life. And thank you. There are people in this room, Father, who have never had a Christian marriage model before them. They've seen one relationship quit right after another, right after another. They've seen skepticism and cynicism being spoken in homes, giving power by people's words to the situation to make it worse and to prolong it their whole life. And now they're trying to do it different. And we've gathered in this place today, Father, because you are an amazing, good God. And we want to ask you again to touch our hearts and lives. I'm going to ask you again to lead us and guide us and speak to us and restore us and give us victory. And Father, we want to ask you for our nation, that you'd bless our nation. There's crazy ISIC groups bringing terror and threatening terror and trying to bring fear to people all over our world now. And Father, I pray in the powerful name of Jesus for protection, that in the middle of the chaos, you would reach down to the lives and the hearts of your family, your kids, us, and bless us and bring us to levels of prosperity that don't make sense and use us and give us an abundant life of protection and blessing. And then, Father God, please, please, may our nation turn to you for guidance. And may you speak directly to us. May we hear from you. And, Father, may there be incredible voice boxes just ringing out what you are saying to us. And, Father, may the people heed it and hear it. And may, Father, we adjust to it. You're our God and our Father. And we're asking you again. We're just asking you again, bless us. Bless us as individuals, as families, as a church, and as a nation. Bless us. We're asking you again, bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Take a look at this verse on the side screen. This is Samuel chapter 5, verse 17. The Bible says, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king of Israel, they mobilized all their forces to capture him. But David was told that they were coming, so he went into a stronghold. The Philistines arrived, and they spread out across the valley of uh, Rephaim. So David asked the Lord, should I go out and fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? And the Lord replied to David. This is some pretty straightforward guidance, just word to word, face to face. Here you go. Yes, go ahead. I'll certainly hand them over to you. So David went to baal Perazim and defeated the Philistines there. The Lord did it, David exclaimed. He burst through the enemies like a raging flood. So he named the place baal Perazim, which means the Lord who burst through. We beat you. We not only beat you, we really beat you. The Philistines abandoned their idols there, so David and his men confiscated them, collected up all their little gods, put them in a bag. But after a while, the Philistines returned. Huh. After a while... After the victory, after the win, after the celebration, here comes the enemy again. Hmm. They returned and again spread out across the valley of Raphim. And again, David asked the Lord what to do. And God said no this time. You want me to go get him? Want me to go after him? Want me to face him? Already did it. Got a win under our belt. Got some history. Got some experience. You want me to go get him? When we hit him head on, God said, no. And this is what he said. He said, do not attack them straight on. Not like you did last time, the Lord replied. I don't want you to do it the way you did it last time, this time. 
So thanks for asking. Instead, he said, I want you to circle around behind and attack them near the poplar trees. So when you hear the sound of marching feet in the tops of the poplar trees, then be on alert. That'll be a signal that the Lord is moving ahead of you to strike down the Philistine army. So David did what the Lord commanded. He struck down the Philistines all the way to Gibeon Gazer. Interesting story this morning, and maybe you can relate to it. Here's some things that I've noticed. Number one, David's appointment of being king is just now catching up with his anointing to be king. David's appointment for being the king, David, you are now king, is catching up with an anointing for him to be king. In other words, there was a time earlier that God anointed him to be the king of Israel. And do you know what he did right after God's hand was upon him? You are going to be the king of Israel. You know what he did? He went back and took care of the sheep. So watch what's happening here. Finally, after battles, after fights, after proving himself, after more experience and more education and a little more maturity, God is now moving him into the appointment when the anointing had already taken place. Any of you relate to that? God puts something in your heart, watch this, that is greater than what you're living right now. <laughs> he anointed you to have this incredible abundant life, a successful marriage, a business that is rocking, wisdom beyond your possible imagination to be able to do what God would have you to do in a position that is blessed with great benefits and great salary and great influence, but you're still working the line at McDonald's, right? And your appointment hasn't caught up with the anointing that's been taking place in your life. This is what I believe for you, and listen to me very carefully. I believe you're heading in to the greatest season that you've ever experienced in your life. Your marriage is going to be greater. Your finances are going to be more blessed. Your business is going to, whoo, take off. You're going to have this a great kind of a lifestyle happening for you. You're going to be blessed beyond imagination. You're going to come into a season that is incredible. But right now, you've been restricted from it. There's an anointing on you. It's in your heart. It's in your mind is where you know. You see this marriage is right. How many of you are not married? Would you raise your hand? Okay, but let's just say it's in your heart that you want to be. And you've always, I, you see yourself as this great husband. You see yourself as this loving, wonderful, caregiving wife to be able to make somebody's dreams come true. But it just haven't happened for you. You've been on Match.com. You've been on FarmersOnly.whatever. You've been on, you know, you know, come take a look at my picture on Pinterest and send me some letters, dot whatever. And it just hasn't happened. It's in your mind. It's in your heart. You've been anointed because God said he would give you the desire of your heart. But, but it just hasn't happened yet. And your appointment for that is right on the edge of catching up with your anointing for that. Here's where you go. You go from restriction to transition to reposition. Let me say it again. You go from it's not happening to a transitional period where things are changing to a repositioning period to where you're there. Restriction, right, to transition to reposition. You are in one of those three cases right now. From restrictions not happening to transition of something's happening to reposition, oh my God, it has happened. So David's appointment is catching up with him that he is now going to be king. And it's right at the beginning of this appointment, right, this level of success that the enemy attacks. Point number two of the story. 
The enemy will always attack right on the heels of your greatest success. Well, I thought part of the, you know, the whole purpose of being successful is that the enemy would leave me alone. <laughs> are you kidding? The more successful you are, the bigger you make the target. You, you went from a little tiny target on your T-shirt to carrying around a life-size target front and back. And it's right on the heels of this success. This is why I don't worry about God's children ever getting their, a big head because they're living a very prosperous and, and a, a very abundant life. Because let me share you're your being able to rejoice over that great thing that happened to you is not going to be very long. I love what David said. God did it. Look what God did. He burst through. We're going to name this place the Lord burst through. Wham. And here comes another attack. Right? I mean, just as soon as you get there, the enemy's going to attack. And then when you think, I got me some victory under my belt. I just kicked the devil's butt just a little bit ago. Whoo! He regroups and he comes after you again. Hmm. You see, the enemy is never going to really let you enjoy the moment. And that's why I hate him so much. He's never going to let you enjoy, wow, this marriage feels great. We just got back from Maui. We walked the beach. We held hands. We kissed in the moonlight. It was the... And then you get back home and reality sets in, right? And the kid's got to be taken here and the kid's got to be... And you're like, I'll see you in three months, right? Because all of a sudden, the enemy's back. Well, this is, this, is, this is puzzling to me. We're not talking about the enemy attacking you or the enemy attacking me. We're not talking about the enemy just kind of jumping on you a little bit. We're talking about David, the man who was after God's own heart. We're talking about the anointed David. And if there was anything that you could say about David, David was a passionate man. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you men in here consider yourself a passionate man. Would you raise your hand? Just hold it up real high. Some of you are afraid to raise your hand because you're not sure what I'm going to say next. But here's, here, I am. I'm a very passionate man. Let me tell you something. I don't halfway do anything. Ann and I went Christmas shopping last week. We, get, we did our Christmas shopping early this year. before We did it before Thanksgiving. It's crazy. We've never done this before in our life. I was a passionate shopper with Anna last week passionately took every one of those bags to the car, passionately. You would not believe how slow I am in putting bags in a car while she's still inside shopping. You would not believe that. And you would not believe how often my phone doesn't work when we're trying to connect with each other when she's in the mall trying to find where I'm at. I'm in the food court. That's where I'm at. But I won't tell you something. I'm passionate about it. I am. David, when he went to sing, he passionately sang and worshiped God. Danced before the, before the heaven. His clothes started falling off. He's out there dancing before God. He was passionate about playing an instrument. Man, I love it when I watch our band up here playing. You see our drummer. Keep, keep an eye on our drummer every once in a while. The guy that looks like a ZZ Top member. Have you seen him lately? Passionate about that. Passionate. David was passionate when it came to making instruments, passionate when it came to playing them, passionate when it came to worship. David was passionate. And let me tell you something else he was. I, yeah, he was a passionate lover too. He had like six wives and you know, and Bathsheba, the whole thing. Yeah, he messed up. He messed up. He passionately messed up though. He didn't half-heartedly mess up. Woo, he passionately did it. And I'll tell you what else he did. He passionately fought. This was a warrior. You don't mess with David. I mean, pick on somebody else. Don't pick on David. My God, he went out there into a field, took a stone and went after a giant. And the giant said, I'll cut your head off. And David said, oh, I'll cut your head off. 
Are you kidding? You don't smack talk in the middle of that. You just, you just back up and pray that God will guide the stone. David's like, oh, I'm passionate, right? So here's what I don't understand about the Philistines. They already knew who David was, and David already had some winds below his belt, man, on his belt. He already had some winds that were there. And all of a sudden, it's, it's, those men knew David killed Goliath. They had heard the stories. And the Bible says that they came up against David. Now, if, if I were David, some of you, you might have said this. You don't know who you're messing with. David didn't do any of that. The Bible said David fell on his knees. He didn't fall on his strength. He didn't fall on his experience. He didn't fall on his friends. He didn't fall on his past winds. He fell on his knees. He said, Father, you want me to go with them? You want me to go beat them? Because David associated success with prayer. Not with talent, not with ability, not with a history lesson. David associated success with prayer. Can I ask you, do you associate success with prayer? Or do you associate it with that website you're on? Do you associate it with networking capabilities? Do you associate it with your people skills? Do you associate it with your history, your resume, the degrees that are hanging on the wall? What do you associate success with? David associated success with prayer. And this is what he said. If you tell me to do it, I'll go do it. But if you tell me not to do it, I am not going to waste my time and the expense of a loss by doing something that you have not told me to do. So this is what it's all about, God. Do you want me to or not? Now, this is where my mind gets blown as a child of God. How many children of God that I know are about to make the biggest life-changing decisions that they have ever made? A decision that will not only change their life, but will change the life of their family members and change the life of their kids forever. And they make that decision and never ask God, God, do you want me to end this marriage or not? Because as miserable as I am, if you want me in it, I'm in it. If you tell me to leave it, I'll leave it. But I will do, regardless of what my heart is telling me, regardless of what my emotions are right now, I will do whatever you tell me to do. I will not make a life-changing decision without falling on my knees and saying, God, do you want me to or not? Because here's two facts David knew. If you are not with me, I'm going to fail. I'm going to lose. It's going to be embarrassing and very, very expensive. But if you are with me, I'm going to win no matter how much the enemy's weapons line up against me. It won't even make any difference. So I only have to know one thing. Do you want me to do this or not? And the Bible says that God said yes. He took off at him straight away. Man, he, he, he tore him up. 
He gathered up their little gods, made fun of them. I mean, it was ridiculous. And then the Bible said that the enemy came against him again. Now, here's the point that just blows my mind. First of all, can I take a little side note here? Does God really love everybody on this planet? Does God have any enemies on this planet? Is God the enemy of anyone else on this planet? Oh, I'm so glad you said yes. Because you know what we've been taught? God loves everybody. He just loves everybody. Let me tell you something. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So if you have a relationship with the son, you have a relationship with God. But when you become an enemy of God, listen very carefully, he becomes yours. If you reject the Lord Jesus Christ, you can't read the Bible and go, God, you love everybody. No, he gave his son that everyone could have a relationship with him through his son. But when you become an enemy of God, he becomes an enemy of yours. He wiped out an entire army called the Philistines. And those men were some mom's son. Those men were somebody's husband. They were somebody's dad. And you say, well, man, that's not right that God would just wipe out the whole army. Why not? Those men had the same opportunity. They saw what happened in that valley when David took out that giant. And those men had the opportunity to go, you know what? Uh, we're about to go up against David. And uh, duh, David, uh, he uh, killed the Goliath. Remember Goliath? And then he wiped out all the Goliath's brothers. You remember that? So it's obvious to me that God is on David's side. And it's obvious to me that God is not on our side. I don't know about the rest of you. I'm changing sides. And when they don't. They become an enemy of God, God becomes theirs. Never think that, oh, God loves everybody in the world. He just loves Isaacs. They're, Isaac, they're just messed up. They just have false thinking. No, 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 no. God said this to this very day. Well, that's Old Testament. Let me tell you what God said to, to this very day. We become an enemy of, of Israel, the nation of Israel, then God will become an enemy of anyone who is an enemy to the nation of Israel to this very day. So here comes the enemy again. They didn't learn their lesson the first time. Stupid. This is when some more men should have defected and took their families and got out of there. And then they come against David, right? And this is what many of us would have done. I already beat you one time, right? You're coming at me the same way. You're in the same valley. So here's what I'll do. I'm going to do the same thing I did before. It, I got history with this. This works, and if it ain't broke, don't break it, right? So this works. I'm going to do it this way. I'm just going to charge him. I'm going to do it again. God did it for me this way, and God comes to David. God, David comes to God again. Oh, my gosh. And watch this. He says, do you want me to go get him? Really? I mean, t- let me ask you a question. If last week... You go out and you handle a certain problem a certain way and you have success. Are you going to pause today and really talk to God about that? I, I, God, I brought her flowers last week and she really loved that and that really paid off for me. Thank you, Lord. So I'm going to bring her flowers this week. And God says, no. I should bring her a box of candy this week. You say, well, that's silly. Wait a minute. Is it? Is it not just as silly for David to have already beat him one way in the same place earlier and not just do it the same way he had success last week? Wait a minute, you're in sales, so you're advertising a certain way. You advertise this way, that way. You put flyers out this way. That worked in the past. Why doesn't it work today? 
because you didn't ask him again. Well, I found success dating. You know, I go down to the bar and found somebody. It worked out. I had, a, I had that guy in my life for eight months. I'll do it again. Didn't ask him again. So watch this lesson. David, ask him again. Lord, you want me to? And God says, no. I, I don't want you to do it that way. I want you to go around the back, and I want you to listen for the marching feet in the top of some trees. And as soon as you hear those marching feet in the tops of the trees, that's going to be me fighting against your enemy. And then you just come in and clean it up. There is a hard way and an easier way to do everything. The first way you do it is always going to be the hard way. And the second way you do it, if you do it the same way, is going to be the harder way. The easier way is ask him again. Just ask him again. And God said, you listened to me the first time. Now this time, I'm going to go ahead of you, and you're going to clean up after me. Let me tell you what I believe with all of my heart for the people of Fellowship Church. I believe that something really big is about to happen in your life. I believe that you're heading for victorious, a victorious appointment, something great that is right out in front of you. And I believe your Heavenly Father loves you so much that the anointing that he put into your heart to be and to do what he wants you to do on this earth the desires that have been there since you were a little boy and a little girl. I believe your appointment is about to catch up with those desires, that appointed place. I believe it. And there is something you have to do. But listen very carefully to what I'm trying to tell you. You have to do it God's way. Because here's the only thing that matters. God... Do you want me to or not? And if he says yes, go for it. If he says, oh, wait a minute now. Because the Bible said, give us this day our daily bread. I've got to eat every day. And David cherished relationship over tradition. Tradition says, do it the same way you've always done it. Do it what worked. Relationship says, how are we doing this today? Where are we going today? What are we talking about today? What's your plan for me today? Ask him again. Some of you in here have a desire in your heart to be in a relationship. Listen, ladies, listen carefully to me. I know I bug you. I know I do. I'm like an aggravating brother, and that's not going to change. I'm going to forever aggravate you, forever get all up in your business, forever try to make match, play matchmaker with you, and if you don't like it, tough. I don't have to go home with you so you can get mad at me. All you want to get mad at me. I'm your aggravating brother. But I know no matter how much you tell me that you're mad at men and you don't ever want another man and all men are creepy, you'd love to have one holding you at night and praying for you that your life would be blessed. You would. Yeah, you would. But you stopped asking. Ask him again. Ask him again. Because he may not bring the same guy 
type of guy around the same way he brought him around last time. You can't go back and meet him in high school now. You can't. It's got to be a new way with new instructions. There was a way you used to make money selling real estate back when the economy was good. And now everybody's talking about, well, yeah, you can't do it that way this time. You can't do it that way. And everybody's still trying to do it the same way they used to do it. Can I just tell you what to do? Ask them again. Ask them again. I have certain experience being able to manage and lead and run a business a certain way. It's the way I've always done it. Leadership by the book, Jesus CEO, I read them all. John Maxwell, before him Dale Carnegie, I know it. You need to ask him again. Because this isn't about what worked yesterday. This is about what he says to you. Today, you notice the Bronco-colored coffee with God cup? Just a coincidence. <laughs> Would you bow your heads with me? Do you desire your heart to be married to a man, to a really godly woman? Ask him again. Do you desire your heart to be prosperous, live an abundant life in this economy? Ask him again. Is it your desire to be successful, running your own business? Ask him again. Is it your desire that all of the dreams he's ever put in your heart come true? Ask him again. I speak to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That God wants you to seek him every day. That this is a relationship journey. And God is telling you this year, I want you to choose your battles and only fight the things that I want you to fight. There are some things I want you to overlook. There are some things that you're stressing out I want you to completely ignore and only go to battle when I've given you the nod that I am going to fight with you. Some of you are frightened. Some of you are even losing hope. How silly. When all you got to do is ask him again. Father, it is in the powerful name of Jesus Christ we come to you this morning thanking you for loving us, thanking you for your goodness in our life. It is in Jesus' name I believe with all my heart that these people are a blessed people. You, Father, are going to give them victory after victory. Coming out of dark places where we've been restricted into transition, into reposition. And Father, as soon as we hit that reposition, we're going to say, hey, God's good. Look what God did. Here comes the enemy. Here comes the enemy. It's funny. We think we won the fight when we only won the round. Oh, wow. Let me say that again. We think we won the fight when we only won the round. We go back. The scorecards go up. Yeah, we, we whooped them that one. Then we still have a coach in the corner saying, great job. Now look out for this and watch out for that. And this time... I want you to counter with this, and I want you to do that, and I want you. And how important it is that we listen to you in our corner? Because the enemy's coming back. The enemy always does come back. <laughs> so, God, I, I just got to pause and ask you again. Do you want me to whoop this? you want me to take this on? Only to hear us say from you, yes. But I got a new way of doing it. I'm going to do more. You're going to do a little less. 
And by the way, thanks for asking. Or we make our life much harder than we have to make it. Because there is really only one thing on the table that matters. God, you want me to do this or not? Do you want me to do this or not? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love y'all. See you later.